thank you for downloading Rich Chang's Let's Square Theatre podcast. My, this is the final show of the series, and my guest is the wonderful Joe Lysett, so hang around for that. If you've enjoyed these, check out uh, kickstarter.com. We're probably doing a campaign to raise money for another series at this exact moment or some other time. Go to gofaststripe.com slash badges. Either make a one-off or monthly payment, and all that money will go towards making internet stuff as well. Or come and see me on tour in my new show, Happy Now, which will be largely in 2016. Go to richchang.com and click on the Happy Now poster, and you can see all the details and the tour dates for that are probably coming somewhere near you. Let's now sit back and listen to Joe Lysitz. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. It's the last one in the series. Please welcome Richard Herring. Hello, hello, hello. We've done it. We've got through the series. Thank you very much to everyone who uh, get this uh, series going via Kickstarter. We hopefully be doing the same thing for the next series, or we'll just be hearing this next series in your ears. Anyway, welcome to Rich Chang's Let's Square Theatre podcast. But some of the cooler kids have begun calling it Rehearsed Apart. Uh, so uh, you're much uh, nicer than last week's audience, but also quite a lot smaller than last week's audience. <laughs> I don't know what's happened there. So uh, that's strange. Uh, so let's have a look at some of the people we've. Uh, We've got, here's a very nice, we, we, you were holding hands earlier. Hello, how are you doing? What's, what's your name? Jill. Jill, that's my sister's name. What's your name? Rob. Rob, if it was David, that would be my brother's name. And then it would be like my brother and sister were having sex with each other, which I, you practically are. That, I mean, that is, that is, oh, he's moved it. Oh, blimey. It's gone quite X-rated at the front here. What do you do, Jill, for a living? I do want, I really want to know now. I doubly want to know now, because you, what do you do? She's a, yeah, you wish, mate. Yeah. You're, you're not going out with her again after this is your last date. What do you, are you, are you married? No. no, that's why you look very, it's lovely. It's what? Ten years you've been together. My goodness. Did he? Do live together? What? Yeah. Don't, they don't live together, that's why they're together. But what do you do for a living? Um, you're a call centre. It was, it was kind of like you say, it was like you, it was call centre for what? Oh, yeah, I ring you all the time. Uh, so, well, it's lovely to see you. It's nice. Ten years still holding hands. That's a nice thing. And these guys together still ten years still holding hands. There's... He wishes. He wishes. I don't, I'm not sure. They're actually, it's got, everyone's getting a bit larry here. In the, it's kind of getting a bit heated down here. Come and have a... We might just do a separate video here of the, the front row. Look, oh, we're going to crack straight on with it because uh, it's been a long evening already for some reason. Uh, so, uh, will you please welcome my final guest of this series of Rehalestapa. He is probably best known as being the strange man on the show Epic Win. Will you please welcome Joe Lysett? Joe Lysett, let's do Come in. Welcome. Pick up a microphone, sit down amongst my wonderful stuff. Hello, everyone. <laughs> it's very nice to be here. It's lovely to have you here. I'm a very big fan of this podcast. Are and you? I was very honoured when, as you noticed on Twitter, when you yeah. DM'd me yeah. to ask me to be on. I was very excited. And I've never been to see a recording. I've never been to the Leicester Square Theatre. I'm very excited. Is it uh, as the reality as is pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the lowest budget IKEA set. <laughs> um, I, I feel um, concerned that I've been such a fan of this podcast yeah. for so long. And you didn't know how awful it was. No. But this, I've is enjoyed... your future. this is your future, Joe. This is in the future, when you're old like me, you'll be sitting here. On, these are we, these are our posh chairs. It, this is stained, pro- though. Well, I don't know, know what Brian Limond was doing with the, this. One of these had a, the last week. One of these had a very dark stain, like someone had had some strange diarrhoea or really strange sexual effl- effluent on there. Have you been drinking as much as I have? I haven't. I'm, I'm, I'm stone cold sober, but I'm just, you know, I've got a small child and I've been talking How to is a man that? who... I had to listen to a man with a very difficult accent to understand. <laughs> I had to concentrate very hard for a long time. It's impenetrable, it isn't was, no, it? No, pen, I, I penetrated it, but it was... It took a lot of concentration, so I'm glad I've got someone who is very uh, understandable now because you're going to be doing all the talking clearly because I couldn't think of the word for understandable, understandable yes. whatever the pro- cro- correct word for that so Epic Win Epic Win was my not my first telly gig that was I think a thing called Laughter Shock 
okay. which was on BBC Three, and the shock was there was no laughter. <laughs> it was described by the radio, I think it was the Radio Times, was it the Scotsman, as the worst thing the BBC has ever made. Wow. Which suggests that they went through everything the BBC had ever made, uh, which is sort of an honour in itself. Yeah. Um, I did a bit of stand-up on it and a sketch about hats, I think. Um, but yes, uh, it wasn't very funny. Then Epic Win, where I did an impression, which I'm s- some people know me well for, of Peter Dixon, the X yeah. Factor voiceover man, which I can do. Do that now, then. That we've got that. Let's do that now. Do say no. so, say a thing in it, like Peter Dixon would. Richard Herring. <laughs> They came in their thousands. <laughs> they left after Limmy. That kind of thing, you know. But you know what, Joe? Enough of them stayed to still make it more than would have been here if Limmy hadn't been here. Yes, that's true. So, that's nice. <laughs> it's very touching. <laughs> Most of me is very nice. So yeah, it was. I remember at the time because Alexander Armstrong was hosting. Yes, and he was also hosting. And Pointless came out about the same time. I think Pointless had been on for a year or so before mm. that. But yes, right. You know, roughly in terms. Yeah, roughly. Of, yeah, I thought, yeah. what's Alexander Armstrong doing all these quiz shows? That'll never lead to anything. Well, he was clearly putting the effort into Pointless. <laughs> and. Um, um, yes. It was like you bet, really. Uh, well, the, uh, this win. is a reference I don't know, but you people said that I. It was like you bet. Yeah. But not as good. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, was, it seemed fine to me. Yeah, it was people doing unusual. I. I think I sort of. It's all a bit of a blur, and I haven't watched most of them because I'm frightened of watching yeah. them. But I remember having to hit a fisherman with a fish in his face. Right. With, and he had goggles on. Um, to obscure his vision, and he had to guess what the fish was based on. <laughs> I got paid BBC money for that. <laughs> and did he guess which fish it was based on? He you? did remarkably well. Yeah. I, and, and it was that sort of thing where, like, it hit by a fish, and I was really going for it, and then he'd go, halibut. <laughs> And that was going out on national television. It sort like, of feels like, as a fisherman, he's been... Is he, was he a line fisherman or a, a trawler fisherman? I don't know. It feels like he's been, you know, he's been pulling them out of the water and they've been hitting him in the face enough <laughs> yeah. that he's managed to learn the texture and the way they would slap. He's a very emphatic fisherman. Yeah. Just really pulling them out. Yes. I saw one, because uh, Andy McH there, he, there he is, is the star of this show. Uh, he, uh, I'll just put him Hello. on there. He's a front, front and centre. He's wearing a bugle T-shirt, which I find quite offensive. Is that filming uh, as well? <laughs> Is that what? That's filming as well, is That is it? filming as well, yeah, but that's just for me to get all the audience shots. So that was get... sort of on my crotch for a moment. Is it, yeah. I doubt they'll use it, but then now you've mentioned it, they will have it's to. It's not often used. Uh, <laughs> it is the crotch, it's the crotch cam. It's to see if anyone's getting aroused, and Limmy did get aroused, as he mentioned. Anything with violence aroused. I think he's a, a bit fit. He is like, fit. He's a bit sexually attractive, he's isn't he? very sexually attractive. I don't I'm think I would find that, but he's, he's sort of, the top half of his body yeah. is quite alluring <laughs> it is what about the bottom you didn't like the bottom oh, nah, the bo- no good <laughs> the, the bottom half's the important bit though isn't it and well it's no, not I like mean, a mermaid really look you just use don't you that bit <laughs> in my experience <laughs> he i i'm very i find him very attractive and i'm not attracted to many men but i i do i, I do think he was very sexy do you think you're a bit bi no i you know very very slightly to the extent that i who I, would you um, well, who did I like? I, when I was a little child, I liked uh, the, the blonde guy from Sweet, who's again before your time, Brian, yeah. Con- Brian Connolly. Connolly. Brian, Con- Brian Connolly, who was Taggart's step... Was, 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 Brian Connolly was Taggart's stepbrother or something. Or they, were, they were separated at birth, but they both died horrific. How would you, how would you describe him in sort of modern language? Was he a twink? He was. I don't. I don't know. He was. He looked like a, a lot of sweet. The sweet. I think they were. Called, were they the sweet or sweet? The sweet. They were my favourite band when 1972 to 1973 when I was really little. And one of them dressed up as a woman and would go, "I haven't got a clue what to do." So they're kind of glam rock. Uh, and Brian Connolly was the w- was a straighter. From, from, but were they from Glasgow? They, uh, they must have been. I mean, they must have been uh, some, some Scottish uh, ancestry in him. But they did. They weren't overtly Scottish. Uh, but uh, they. Uh, he had very long blonde hair. So I thought he was a lady. I liked Barry Manilow when I was five or six years old. 
I get but that. Again, I think he was. I thought he was a lady. I've always liked to a, a, a nice proboscis. Uh, I also quite fancied Nana Muscuri for that. She is she is a woman. <laughs> and I fancied the blonde one from Abba who was a woman. Right. So I, I was bisexual when I was six. <laughs> but since then, I kissed one boy at um, university. Was that the boy? <laughs> Just what, you abs- know, to try out. That's not an. Uh, it's a, it was a beautiful homoerotic. Was it an err uh, at homosexuality or at the <laughs> concept of kissing Richard Herring? Richard. Oh, there we go. But you know, that I've kissed loads of girls, which and you are a girl, so you you should have gone. Oh, phew. At least I, for that moment, I was safe from the disgusting lips of Richard Herring slobbering all over me. I what imagine kind of you're a very delicate kisser. I am, I'm a lovely at kisser. At first. <laughs> and then I imagine it becomes unbearably violent. <laughs> well, I've danced with you. We've danced together at uh, oh, yes. the wedding of Jimmy Cricket's daughter. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, she doesn't like being called that, does she? She doesn't, but I thought As I've learned was... every time I've seen her. <laughs> Yes. And I met Jimmy Cricket at that wedding. I've got, and he became a picture of me and Jimmy Cricket. My it was a bit saving. weird, wasn't it, that wedding? Because um, Jimmy Cricket was just got up and started... I feel like I remember... I mean, I was drunk the whole day. I feel like he got up and was messing around with a hoover. I don't remember that. Or no, bit. a leaf blower oh, or, uh, in the church. Oh, yes. I w- yes, I think you're right. He was. I would, I would have called her a proper name, but because of my audience, they would have been confused because her name is Katie Mulgrew and, my, and the rest, and this audience would have gone, oh, oh that's very exciting, because this audience love Star Trek. <laughs> so they, they see that one bloke. They would have, usually they do. Okay. But they, but they, yeah, she's Catherine Janeway. She plays Red in, uh, in Orange is the Only, not the Only Fruit, no, Orange is the New Black. Mrs. Columbo. She's Mrs. Columbo. Is she? Do you never see Mrs. Columbo? It's a rubbish pilot. Oh, it's a, yeah. a rubbish pilot. But that's not the Katie Mulgrew I'm talking about. I'm talking about Katie Mulgrew, who is Jimmy Cricket's daughter. So you see, I yep. did the right thing in saying that. I also once danced with David Williams uh, oh, sim- how in a that? similar way. He's both of you are kind of nice, uh, big, taller gentlemen. He's quite. He was a, you know, it was nice to n- nussle my head in. Uh, David Williams. But people, the men who dance nice... with me go on to be big superstars, is what I've learned. Oh, well, that's good to know. So, you know that should happen to you. It's only happened once, I have to say, so. Oh, dear. And so you, you, have, to, you have to prove it true by becoming a... Uh, okay. Not, you know, you are. No, you're not. <laughs> In many ways, it's a disappointing end to the series. Uh, so... I, well, I wholeheartedly agree as a, re- <laughs> as a regular listener. I wanted to ask you about go on, go on. Pr- about this podcast. Yes. I wanted to ask you, because you didn't really give me a proper answer backstage. Yes. Um, who haven't you enjoyed interviewing on this podcast? I, I've enjoyed interviewing. I've enjoyed interviewing. Because I don't believe that at all. I, well, I, I really only have people on that I uh, like. Yeah. Nearly, that's 100% true. Um, I, uh, I didn't really enjoy the second Stuart Lee interview. Right. I enjoyed the first one, I didn't enjoy the second one. Because I, you know your terrorist atrocities thing? Yeah. I came up with one for that, okay. which is um, take a bomb to a Stuart Lee gig. Yeah. Because there's a lot of I people like there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they all deserve to die, is the more important... If you want Stuart Lee's audience to die, what do you want your audience, (laughs) what do you want to happen to them? Well, they have to stay alive as long as possible. Everyone I lose to death is a significant... I've lost a few of my fans to death, and it's a significant blow. Like it's a financial... Have you checked that it's death? Someone like like Andy McH, if he died, that would seriously diminish my lifestyle. And, the, and what I could buy for my children. <laughs> he gives me enough money every year. So there are certain key players that actually would make a fight. You know, I have to keep him alive. I actually spend money, uh, quite a significant amount of money, keeping him alive and protect. He doesn't know he's being trailed everywhere to be because he's quite clumsy and <laughs> foolish and he could easily die. Are you, on Twitter, do you have like a sort of blue background? <laughs> oh my God, I know you. <laughs> I feel like I've met a celebrity. <laughs> Please tweet me. <laughs> I like Andy McHage. He's Andy McHage is the, you know, to, according to Michael Legg, he's, he's, he, this is his podcast. And he does sit there like a king in the centre, usually. It's Andy McHage, everyone. There he is. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> uh, so that's Andy McHage. 
<laughs> so I'll, uh, let's move on. Yes, let's not talk about Stuart Lee. No. I will bring every question back to it there. <laughs> let's talk about you. We want to know about you. you. I like your show titles. Your current show has got the best title uh, yet, I think, of your shows, which you'll be touring. Thank you. Uh, that's the way a heart, a heart, Joe Lysett. <laughs> yes. It's good. I and mean, that is good, because honestly, if the title gets a laugh, then... Well, that was what I was hoping for. Yeah. Thank you. God, that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, I never know what the show's going to be about until about three years after I've done it. And so uh, it helps to have a, just a, a name that can be punned. So, <laughs> Is I've there got... a theme to this show, or is it just, is it stand-up? Is it... Do you know, it, there is a bit more of a theme to this one. It's sort of a love letter to Birmingham, because okay. I'm... Fr- I'm... <laughs> An array and a already a funny concept, laugh. yes. Yeah, because um, yeah, I'm, I'm from Birmingham, but I, I have no accent or um, any evidence that I'm from there. But um, I am from there, and I do love it. Uh, so it's a sort of love letter to Birmingham, and then a kind of about kind of lad culture um, and how I find that very difficult to engage with. <laughs> but I'm sort of increasingly getting better at engaging with it, but... I don't know whether that's because I'm sort of around older lads right. or like the older I get and my, my f- sort of laddie friends get older. I don't know. But um, yeah, but it's mainly just silly stories that I'm struggling to find a punchline for at this stage. <laughs> but hopefully I'll find it for the tour. <laughs> well, you're doing Edinburgh, which will have passed by the time this goes out. Yes. And, it uh, went ever so well. It went great. That's Won all I, the awards. That's what everyone's saying. You never know. You never know. If, surely. Well, you've, what, you've been the best newcomer, haven't you? Or you were I got nominated for best newcomer. Um, and then that was it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's either best newcomer. I, I've never been nominated for any. No, uh, I've never. I've, I've had one nomination for short or stand in stand-up terms. I've had. But one, how many has Stuart Lee? Has Stuart he Lee wasn't had? never nominated. He wasn't never nominated. He's got a lot of short awards, but he was never nominated for the a big short prize, award. Which I he was the never nominated. The pity wank of the awards, isn't it? <laughs> he was. Uh, he was very anti uh, when Nestle were involved in uh, Perrier were involved mm. in it. He, he got very behind that campaign. I think. At least partly because they'd never nominated him for the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it's, it was... It's all weird, but the, when you look at the people that haven't been, ever not been nominated, mm. Bill Hick, people who've been to Edinburgh and not... Bill Hicks, uh, Ricky Gervais. Don't think Stephen Merchant ever got nominated. So there's a lot, there's a lot of people who've done OK, yeah. Stuart Lee. They've done OK. Well, it's like all awards, isn't it? I felt like this when I was starting out, that... Um, they're all kind of relatively arbitrary. Great if you get nominated or win yeah. them, but it doesn't matter otherwise. And it doesn't that, make much difference, really. I mean, it, it's helpful, I think, in terms of raising profile and maybe getting people to come and see you, but then if they come and see you and don't like you, that, that's the problem, I think. You get, in Edinburgh, they, those five names get, get the nomination or six names get the nomination, then loads of people go and see them and go, oh, I don't know, this is very good. This isn't as good as I was expecting. This yeah. was nominated for all. So it's, it's a bit of a... Can be well, a bit it's of an all luck, though, don't you think? It's it is, luck. Yeah. Like, if you're born with... Like, if, if you're doing well, then you kind of... The style of comedy that you're doing is right for that time. But you might have a style of comedy that is good for another era, and you're just born in the wrong era. That's or, what's happened to me. I think so. <laughs> it is. Which era is that? that you... It's yet to come, but in 2,000 years' time, people are going to be listening to this and going, that guy's great. <laughs> Almost as good as Stuart Lee. That's what they'll be saying in 2000. Uh, but no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. And it, there's, you know, there's so many great comedians um, that that nothing ever happens with that you don't ever hear of. You know, in in, in televisual terms. But then that doesn't. I think being comedians about being comedian, isn't it? So it's yeah. great if you. There's that sort of weird sense that if you um, the the live performance is worthless unless it can be transferred to the television yeah. or or whether it can be podcasted. <laughs> but there's, you can't... I've never seen it really recreated, the live stand-up performance, no. properly. And that's why I, lo- you know, I love comedy, because it is that every night is a different thing, and even with the same show, every night is a different thing, and it's about the live experience. And you should be... I think it was what Stuart does do, is that he's very much a live comedian who does TV to promote his, mm. to promote his live work. I think out of all the people on TV, he's the one who's stayed true to... You feel like he's not got on TV to be shouting out in a game show, <laughs> you know, about yeah. how people would be slapped in the face with fish. You know, he's not going to do that. He's a... He's a, he's yeah, a, you, he's you a say that, comedian. but what I thought I was doing is a great critique of the comedy industry <laughs> while slapping someone with a halibut. But that's all you can do. That's not, you know, that, genuinely, that, as a new comedian, your only way of getting any TV exposure now 
is to do not necessarily that show, but to do a show like that. Yeah. And so you can't really turn it down. I, mean, I you know, I get offered a lot of those things, and I don't turn many. You're of them doing down. Sunday brunch next week. I am. Are you doing? Because I was on Sunday brunch last week. Yeah. Tim Lovejoy. <laughs> It's a surreal experience. The first time I was on it, it's so because they when they talk, they talk off camera as well. Yeah. And then it's no different to when they're talking on no. camera, and you kind of think, do you know you're on camera? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but they do know they're on camera, and they are quite. I think there's a subtle subversiveness to it. But they spent ten minutes, well, not five minutes, talking about what age to introduce tea to their children. It went on for a long time, and I had to say to them. You do know this is on. You know, I was waiting to be interviewed. I say, you do know this is being broadcast on TV. This long conversation about what age a child People should love be. It, though. My do. dad loves that show. Yeah, he's a big fan of it. Um, Tim Lovejoy. I, I found everyone very kind and very supportive on on that show. Um, but Tim Lovejoy at one point, Kimberly Wyatt, ex Pussycat Doll, Kimberly oh. Wyatt was cooking a coconut pie, <laughs> and. Um, Tim Lovejoy's, one of his questions was, this isn't me being unfeminist, but last time you were on, you put your leg over your head. And that was a question. (laughs) And I remember thinking, there's nothing necessarily unfeminist about that, apart from if you're in Tim Lovejoy's head. (laughs) And then it becomes very unfeminist all of a sudden. Who else was on? What are the other celebrities that are on there? I was on with Ollie uh, Murs and Catherine Jenkins last time I was on. Connie Huck was oh, yeah, on Connie there. Was. She's, she's a nice lady. Yes, very nice lady. Bad shit, but she's a very nice lady. <laughs> um, no, she's very nice. Um, she started tweeting my mother about how she was going to spank me. Oh, really? Yeah. So. I nearly once took a woman's eye out with an oar because of Connie Huck. Why is that? Because she was the guy. I did a, one of the the only reality thing I ever did was an Oxford Cambridge boat race thing that I did when I was doing my show, The Twelve Tasks of Hercules Terrace, and uh, I was in the. And Connie Huck was the cox of the other crew, and okay. she steered accidentally. I think steered her boat into our boat, and so I was rowing, and my massive oar hit hit the lady in the face and nearly. Could have, I mean, I could have killed someone okay. if I was any good at rowing. <laughs> but luckily, I just knocked out a contact lens. Have you ever had Charlie Brooker on this show? I, I have, yeah, yeah. Have you? Yeah. I, I must have heard that It was one, one of the early ones, yeah. I'm Did you ask him about Connie Huck? I didn't ask him about Connie Huck. I what do you think that's like? <laughs> Why didn't you ask Charlie Brooker about Connie Huck? It didn't come up, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you are, though. I'm not. <laughs> It was it quite new in their relation? No, it wasn't. No, no, sure. I do remember it now. No, yeah, yeah, I remember I was bored stiff because I wanted the kind of hot <laughs> questions. Because I listened to this podcast on the motorway. I think maybe I did because they met when uh, I think I talked about how they met. They met when uh, they were doing a thing about weeing about shy bladders. Mm. I think I'm to maybe talked this about. Uh, and uh, so that they, she was presenting it, and he was pit- basically they met standing on a hillside, loads of men pissing into the wind, and. They met on that item and then they got together subsequently from that. I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, unusual. Really unusual. You wouldn't necessarily put them together but I, on paper. But fine, you know. It works. I'm, I have got in, two children. I'm into unusual sexualities, so that's fine. I, I, think that, <laughs> I don't think that sort of fits under heterosexual homo or bi. I think that's like its own sexuality. <laughs> Connie Huck and Charlton Brooker, isn't it? <laughs> but I just, I've, I'm desperate to know what their sort of bed talk is like. Well, I'll get him back on and I'll Please, ask. Maybe I'll get you? them both on together and see whether they will. Because I, I, I sense that they're both, at core, very kind people. Yeah. I but also so. deeply troubled. <laughs> and I wonder whether there's like a kind of balancing force that goes on. But I wonder, in any relationship, there's like, and like, um, this is friendships and also relationships, I find that you sometimes have to unbalance um, or to create a balance, you have to unfairly put sometimes un- injustice on your own side to sort of create a level. Yeah. And I wonder who's taking all the injustice on that s- in that relationship. Because I feel like it might be him. <laughs> I've not met him, but I think she's batshit. <laughs> And maybe I don't know her well enough to make that assertion, and I don't know him well enough either, really, I suppose. But, no, I don't uh, know either of them at all. 
but it's this interesting is public- to do this with I mean, you wouldn't because Charlie is so you know is so abrasive and uh, as on TV at least and Connie is a Blue Peter presenter so that's a kind of weird combination yeah but I think in reality she's you know, I think all Blue Peter presenters are actual grown up people who no. do terrible things <laughs> some, of the, some of them will get found out for it you're too young. Do you remember the one, the one of the, tra- the trampoline one? He died, didn't he? That was. A, do you remember the trampolining one? They don't. No, there was the one they don't talk about. The blonde guy. No, Michael Sundon. Michael Sundon. Yeah, they don't talk about him anymore. Not John Noakes. No. Literally every name that you say, I don't know. No, but they, no one. He's been wiped out of the history of it. I think he might have died. He died of AIDS. He did died of AIDS. Yes, I was going. He died of AIDS. He would trampoline to trampoline. Yeah. This nice-looking guy. Wiped out of the history. And Janet Ellis a little bit because of the becoming pregnant. And Richard Bacon for taking drugs. John, John Leslie. John Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> He's still proudly held up. I, I like that the person that said that hasn't said anything all evening. <laughs> went, this is my moment now. <laughs> When I when Connie, when Connie Huck was doing the boat race, she was going out with Richard Bacon. I think that's a well-known. No, thing. Yeah. really. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So there you go. So there's something else for you to think about. Yes, I'll have to Do go away and process that. Yeah. I think the injustice has swayed the other side all of a sudden. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. Well, I'll ask you. Let's go. I think we'll have some fun with the emergency questions with you. Um, let's. If you had to date, this is you know it's not, it's rare that I get to ask this someone who might want to date a six-foot penis. <laughs> and I think if there's anyone who does, it might be you. Uh, as a, a six-foot penis. It's a human face on it, but it's otherwise a, just a gigantic six-foot penis with the blowhole. Yeah. And no arms, no legs, just a penis that yeah. shuffles along. Or a man who, instead of having a penis, has a tiny man. Yeah. Uh, that is, is his own separate person, but he is in the cardiovascular system of the big man, which means you can insert in places and not worry about him suffocating because he will be oxygenated via the bloodstream of the big man. Aren't, aren't you tired of this? No. <laughs> this one, I get tired of them and then I stop asking them. This one, this might be the last time I ask it, but I'm still fascinated by your answer to this question. It's two men, it's like a threesome straight away with the... Yes, it's exactly like a threesome straight away. <laughs> it's a threesome with a, with a normal-sized man and a very tiny man. Um, well, as a great fan of this podcast, I yeah. know that a lot of people have answered this question. It's very interesting to find out what their answers are. I particularly enjoyed Bob Monkhouse's um, query as to whether the bell end... Bob Mortimer. Wo- Bob Monkhouse! <laughs> now, I remember when you interviewed Bob Monkhouse... <laughs> The skeleton of Bob Monkhouse. <laughs> That's a worry, isn't it? That, that popped into That's my head. That's before that. Someone else did that. Yeah. Bob Mortimer yeah. said that he, um, well, he queried whether the, the bell end was the hair, which is, um, so like where, where the face was on the, on yeah. the cock. Yeah. Um, hmm. What, what is what sort of peril is there in the sense that like what what happens if I don't do either? Well, nothing. <laughs> no one's ever no one's ever suggested that before. A third way. It's obviously either or. Um, you know, I'm not going to get cross with you if you don't make a decision. I think the tiny man. Yeah. Just he'd sort of wriggle man. around yeah. inside my anus. Yeah, he could. And hopefully clasp at the male G-spot at yeah. one point. You know, like, who is it? There was somebody who puts... Uh, there is a, was it John Leslie, allegedly, that puts... Um, you, can say, you can say anything you like Who was that. it? John Noakes. John Noakes, he put a little gerbil up there. Is that oh, right? Or a hamster? That is an apocryphal story about many, uh, many. Richard Gere, that was the original. Loads of people had done it. Yeah. yeah. The pet shop Allegedly bo- done The pet it. shop boys. Cause, but it's one of those apocryphal stories that just, you know, how would anyone know about it unless they saw a very frightened gerbil leaving Richard Gere's house one morning with a bit of, bit of poo attached to it. And they went, that, let's take that to the labs and analyse that poo. That's human poo. Let's get some more of Richard Gere's poo. It is Richard Gere's poo. That must have been in Richard Gere's anus. I mean, the gerbil can't... The gerbil bite cannot communicate what's happened to it. 
It can just look petrified and art or something. You could show Dave, Richard Gere films to strange. it, but I mean, most of us would be petrified at those images. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so um, yeah. I don't think that has happened. It's the same as the Mark Armand eating, having stomach pumped and being 20 different men's semen in there. I didn't know. What's, yeah. Who's that? Well, that Mark Armand, you're so young from Soft Cell. What's that? Oh. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Is it? No, but this is how I feel when I do gigs now sometimes, especially when I'm doing gigs now where I'm doing old, like, 12-year-old material because I'm working up my, all my shows. And, like, and some, of the ref, yeah. some of the ref... It's too late now. It's gone. It's happened. It was a triumph. Uh, it's... Uh, the 50 people who came to each show loved it. Uh, it's, um, you know, you realise that the people don't know... The ref, the, some of the references I don't remember from some of the shows G4 I don't remember who they are that's mentioned in one of the shows I don't know who they were uh, I think they were a, a boy band of some kind uh, but yes yeah, so you're kind of aware that you, you're talking about stuff that people in the audience weren't because you were born like in ni- the late 1980s I'd, I'd got all my A-levels by then in fact I'd nearly got a degree by 1988 I was at university but that that's the nature of age isn't it it is <laughs> terrifying there look at you I was, I, I'm younger than you. You are, but you were sure. certain things I hadn't achieved <laughs> when you had achieved them. Yeah, that's true. But Soft Cell were like, uh, they did Tainted Love. They did the song Tainted oh, Love. Oh, I know Tainted Love, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, weren't, they didn't originally do it. This, uh, Hang on, wasn't that Pete Burns who did Tainted Love? No, he did... Uh, did he do a cover? He did story of the blues. He did you spin me round, round, baby, like a record. Baby. I think Pete Burns had like a tiny man up his anus. <laughs> I do. And so, just to bring it back to the question. Yeah, but I'm still talking about apocryphal stories. But that which I've talked about this one a lot. But the, the Mark Harmon is not going to be. If someone had a lot of semen in their stomach and had to have the stomach pump, no hospital is going to go. Let's send that to the labs and analyse how many different people. They might go, oh, that's a lot of semen, there must be a lot of people involved with it. But they're not going, and then like in one version, there's some dog semen in there. It's not that someone's going to analyse the semen and find that there's different animals ones. They'd have to get a microscope. Isn't so there? what is he, is he the, yeah, you think they've lied. I they? think that's a made-up story. I think the Richard Gere one's a made-up story. I'd have said it, but then some of them are coming true, so it's, you know, some of the <laughs> terrible things. I, I, the apocryphal story that has been made about me and Jim Bowen is that we like to get girls back to our hotel rooms, then we make them dance and masturbate in a high-backed armchair. That's, Sounds feasible to me. Well, it's, you know, I would admit it if I'd done it. I don't think that's that bad, but I've never done that. So, uh, what do you want from me? Well, I'm not doing it now. God, I'm too old now for any of that sort of malarkey. You looked at me after you'd said that story, like yeah. you, uh, I would, I would provide some sort of wisdom on it. <laughs> I just so a lot of those stories are apocryphal, but then some of them come true, don't they? Some of them turn out. Some of them come true. Jimmy Savile turns out to have fuck bodies and stuff. Don't go oh at me like I've done. I'm just report. I'm reporting it. It's he did it. He used to keep like glass eyes and stuff of people of bodies and things. He was and yes, he was I a remember bad listening guy. to that on the Louis Theroux yeah. one that you did, which yeah, was also disgusting. which was I think one of your finest works. Thank you. What well, I've noticed, we got like an end of term report on the uh, <laughs> you coming to mark how well I've done. Yes, that was a very and good remind, one. It's like a bit like we're stuck in a lift to go. Do you remember that podcast where I talked to Louis Theroux about Jimmy Savile? Yeah. It's like the clip show episode of Friends. What, who's your um, list of people that you want on the next series? Like, what's your, like, your, who well, do you really want to do it? Well, I would really like to have uh, Michael Palin. I don't think he will do it. I'd really like to have... There's like loads of American people I'd love to have on. I tried to get um, Amy... Pardon? Yeah, Amy Poehler would be good. Amy Schumer, I'd like to get. John Noakes would be. I think. I think John Noakes might not be that good uh, guess, given he can't go for a walk without falling into a ditch and lying in the ditch all day and then being discovered. Um, Amy Poehler, Amy Schumer, and John Noakes very much the holy trinity, aren't they, of this podcast? John Leslie uh, would be good, uh, and uh, I think realistically we might get people like Dawn French and uh, Adrian Edmondson who's kind of interested in doing it. I'd love to talk to people like that. Uh, what I like about it is I, I like the mixture of old and new and established and less established. So I very much enjoy talking to the youngsters of your generation. Yes, uh, and, and we like talking to Granddad. <laughs> And I think it's. I think. I think uh, there's a very exciting new group of people coming up. 
And there is an American. That's there was a very great good article that uh, Greg Jenner, who I would call my friend Greg Jenner, but I only know him from uh, Twitter. But he's, mm. he writes horrible histories and history books. Uh, but he was say he knows I'm obsessed with Adam Sandler, who I don't want. I'm quite quite interested to have him as a guest. But you know, Adam Sandler's career has been. It's someone who says shit. <laughs> I was going to try and pussyfoot around that a bit rather than just say it's shit. But, you know, he's, he's been totally usurped in America, even though he's still allowed to make films for some reason. I mean, they must make lots of money still, uh, but, uh, or some money. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's this whole new wave of comedians who come up who are doing amazing work. work. Yeah. So Tina Fey and, and, you know, all, the, all these... All these Americans. So I'd love to talk to a lot of those guys. I mean, Doug, Doug Stanhope's over in the country. I'd love to talk to him. He'd be an interesting guy to talk He'd to. He'd be... Yeah. So, Charlie Sheen would be good. Charlie Sheen would Charlie be... Charlie Sheen would be... <laughs> yeah, smashing. <laughs> Patrick Marvel would be interesting. Do you know who he is? No. No, good. That's all right. Mark Maron. Mark Maron. Yeah. Well, I nearly was on. Mark, Mark Maron asked me to do his. We were in uh, the, the Glasgow Comedy Festival. That was before he was. He was well known enough that there was an article about us both in an, in the Scotsman or something like that that day. And he said, "Will you come and do a podcast with me?" But I was on my way to Edinburgh, and I said, "No, I'm on my way to Edinburgh now." When are you going to stop <laughs> doing these podcasts or my career? It's up to you to interpret <laughs> the question. Because pretty much all I've got uh, left now. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's interesting having a, uh, a, a family, and I've got a child now. And um, I haven't congratulated you, you on that. Thank you. It's very, I deserve Congratulations. It. I had to use some of my spunk to make her. Mm. What do you call... You said... There was... Sexcrement. Sexcrement. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, there's a, you know, it's a dual-edged because I want to spend more time with my family than I would have done you know I've, I've worked very hard in the last few years and been away a lot mm. and uh, been working stupidly hard so I'd like to work a bit less hard but then also I now have a tiny baby who will uh, as she gets older want to have more objects and food and things and shoes and clothes so I need to keep on working as well Katie's doing alright though isn't she she's doing some books and she's things she's writing books yeah you could retire surely well I was hoping you know hoping that would take off in JK, if it goes to a JK Rowling kind of level, I'd take a quarter of JK Rowling. I'm not greedy. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. Uh, but no, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of ticking along. But yeah, I, I think as long, I, I feel like with as it occurs to me, my previous one, I got bored of doing it and uh, yeah, and I, uh, they're very chouty, aren't they today? It's a very end of term atmosphere. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's nice. Uh, I felt um, that I got a bit bored of it and it was too hard. But I probably should have carried it on because I think it had the impetus to actually turn into something else. Yeah, and go so through, I think so with this, I can. There's no reason I can't. This is really easy to do. Because I felt it's very really sad. Easy. Yeah, I felt sad when Limmy said that he sort of felt it was a bit hard, so he stopped. I kind of admired that, but also I felt like it's really hard for everyone to write comedy. It's yeah. not an easy thing, and actually, that's when sometimes the best stuff happens. Yes, yeah. and I just love Limmy's show so much that I'm sort of biased, but. I feel like, yeah. I, uh, I'm surprised because I think his show, he doesn't need, he doesn't need, he can get, he can say, I won't do that character anymore. Yeah. And he'll find something else. Yeah, because he's so brilliant. But uh, part, like, I feel like I'd feel um, devastated if I was driving up the M6 to Wigan when I was in my mid 50s, <laughs> which is sort of what I do these days. Yeah. So I kind of, I'm trying to work out like what the trajectory is what is the but I, say, I don't though I say I, I feel like I think I would have done and like I remember being 35 and thinking oh god you know or being 40 thinking oh god I've got to get back on TV time I'm 45 or you know it's all over and and then that time passes very quickly and then you're, you're doing, on you know, Sunday brunch next I'm on week. Sunday brunch <laughs> uh, but uh, but you know I think it's I, I think stand up's what it's about it's harder to tour so that's the thing. It just the driving gets to you. That's the only thing that's that's difficult about it. Mm. But I would like to carry on doing stand up. I'd like to be eighty years old and doing stand up still. Yeah. So out of, out of all the things I do, I'd like to carry on doing stand up. But it's I'm finding it very hard to write this year's show. But I think that's partly because I don't have the impetus of Edinburgh, and you know I've got a lot of other stupid things I've got to do. Yeah, a child. I've taken on a bit stupid too much. Stupid child. Because <laughs> so this is my third show. Yeah. The second show I found very, very difficult to write. This one I've really enjoyed and I've understood that the process is fun. Yeah. Whereas last time it was panicked and it was sort of felt... Does, that, does it get better now or does it well, get worse? Well, I found them a bit of both, but I found them sort of easy to write 
and but then I was just struggling a little bit with this one, but it's just finding the time to sit down and do it. I think it'll be okay. But also, I've sort of realised I've got I'm doing a, a one-off show at the end of the run of the twelve shows, but that doesn't have to be the finished show. You know what I mean? There's no rule that says that has to be perfect, or no. even or even ninety minutes long. You know, I can do something else for the other half an hour. So I've actually got like another four or five months to work on the show until the tour properly starts. So that's quite that's quite exciting. I think it's you know I don't think it I think it gets easier. Because I think you realize you you get better at working out what works and what doesn't. So mm. I'll go on stage and I'll do something once and go, oh no, that's not going to work. Or oh, there's something in that. You sort of realize because this what somebody asked me when about going on Sunday brunch. Were you nervous? And I was like, no, not at all. Because <laughs> you realize that going on Sunday brunch matters less than like doing anything else in your life. Yeah. <laughs> like going for a shit means more <laughs> than going on Sunday brunch. But everything's throw, you know, everything's throw away now. So even if you're in, even if you're in quite a successful TV show, <clears throat> yeah, it's forgotten about. You know, and yeah. I, I think like ten years ago, there's loads of things I was offered. I go, oh, I don't want to do that; it'd be embarrassing. You know, and they're going, here's lots of. Well, recently I was offered. The, the only thing I've really turned down recently, I was offered a stupid amount of money to be on, was the Kate Hopkins. Oh, right. So I read about that. Mark Dolan's done it. I read in the the article that I read. Um, And uh, who else did it? Um, An American comic, off-the-curb comic, who's in the clubs. It sounded sort of hideous but kind of fascinating at the well, same time well there's a part of you thinks well maybe I should do it because maybe it'd be interesting to interact but I think there's just no way I think it'll be a horrible pro. it's just like uh, Dave Fulton that's who did it oh is it I think it's just like a sort of question time where people try to say the most but I just think she's so horrific that even by being in there with her you're, you're soiled by association and they won't you know however it was a lot of money it was a lot of more How money much? a lot it was £10,000 was it yeah what channel is it on Dave or something. It's like a so, but it was to be the. I've never been. It was to be like, on it as a regular. Well, no, it's to be the the host of that week's show. So that, I think they're offering more money because no one's doing it. It's like that's way more money than yeah, you'd totally. Usually, you know, you'd usually get off to do these things. Yeah, but I think like ten years ago, there's loads of things. I'm a bit to... annoyed my agent hasn't offered it. <laughs> <laughs> but there, yeah. So you know, and I could do with the money at the moment. So so you know, but I also thought no, I don't want to. You know, I don't. Do you not think, though, so what um, Limmy was saying about, you know, there are certain people that can't sort of cope with comedy about certain things. Are you not doing the same thing by saying, I sort of can't cope with ideas that are being presented that I don't agree with? No, but it's not that. It's because the programme will, you know, you don't have any control of what the final programme is, so you could brilliantly take it down or you could brilliantly argue something, but you don't know how it's going to be edited. Uh, yeah. And you know, I don't have a problem with her, but I just don't. It's not real. She's a character. Yeah, and it's I feel not like a it's good a... character. And what she's saying, she doesn't believe. And I just think you, you know, you, you're a, a, by association by allowing her to carry on. Yeah, you're just she's, she's the thing saying get worse and worse, and it will end. No, with I mean I agree with you. She's a hideous cunt. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but I also feel like um, we've uh, humans over her life probably haven't shown her much compassion have they no. so maybe it takes maybe we should both go on it together <laughs> we'll split it we'll have 5k each and what we'll do is we'll just hold her and we'll just go we love you for the whole however long the record is yeah. and the producers go oh yeah no that's really funny but can you now can you just say that you hate yeah. immigrants and you go we love you for the whole thing well it'd be nice to do that but you know I think, I think ultimately it wouldn't matter, you know. I did a, sh- I did a few things years ago. I did a thing called Best Man Speech, which I have never seen and no one's ever seen. And you know, I got paid nicely for that. And you go at the time, you go, "Oh, should I do? It? Will it be embarrassing? Will it be bad for my career? Will it be good for my career?" You kind of go, "Doesn't matter." Doesn't matter. And so the same thing, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> Most of these things just don't matter. But you could do something that really does matter, like mm. Dapper Laughs found out, and uh, <laughs> and then that's a career. And that's why I just think it's just you do something, and then. Is it, how do the, I, I think, I hope that I've brought, the people who like me, I've got a level of respect from them. That I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those comedians going, oh, everything has to be right. And I'm not, I think this job's about entertainment. I'm very happy to do an entertainment show. I'd be happy to do your, the show you did. I don't mind doing something stupid where you do daft stunts. I think that's fine. Yeah. But it's, you know, I think you also want them to know there's a kind of integrity to it if they like you. That you, that you wouldn't do something to let them down. So I mean, I think if, if they said, here's £100,000 to do an advert for McDonald's, you know, I don't want to do that because I don't think it's worth the collateral damage it would have on the people who like me. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe they wouldn't care. Mm. But I mean, but then increasingly, I also think by doing, I think with what we're saying to Limmy as well, if someone were to give me a quarter of a million pounds to do something, I could then make my own 
show of whatever wanted to do. Yeah. So it's 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 a question where you think is it is it okay to do that if I then use that money to do something else? But you know, I get that's the nice thing about what we do for us is that you will get a job where someone gives you what someone else might get paid in a year for a day's work. Oh yeah, it it gives you some sort of hideously good things. Yeah. Really, and so therefore, if you can use that, you can use that money to buy yourself an expensive car, or you could say, hey, I can put that money into doing my meaning of life series that made made no money. Yeah, and I, I think. I don't know. I, I, I don't really... I, this is the thing. People sort of presume that you get into comedy because you really love comedy or that um, it was your calling or that you were funny at school. I sort of just fell into it. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't know what I should be doing. So I'm sort of looking for guidance from the elders <laughs> as to where does one go. I just because also, like, I met Jim Davidson and I right. did a gig with Jim Davidson, which I've done stand-up about, mm. and he's very similar to you in every way. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I was... I'd been told by so many people that he was this hideous racist and completely irredeemable, but I found him very... Um, very uh, sort of um, not wise wise isn't the word very intelligent and very thoughtful about the things that he's done and also very angry at the way the industry had treated him and he'd been very successful and he'd done some horrible things and like the more people told me about him he has done some really horrendous things but him and lots of people that you meet who are really chastised by the media I you meet them and you sort of think well actually they're just human beings and you meet them all the time when they're not famous yeah. and the industry sort of chews them up and throws them out. Yeah. And I'm petrified of just saying the wrong thing at some <laughs> point, probably on this podcast, and then being branded as some... I know, there's just that fear that the industry picks its favourites. And but then, I think that's just... That's what humanity does. So yeah, I, I, like, so. That, I find that... I, don't, I just hate it. Whatever it is, whatever people have done, yeah. uh, the idea of never forgiving someone for some, for some past transgression, it just, it just... And that seems to be the way cultures change, though. Yeah. So it's... it's it gives you nowhere to go, does it? If, mm. if you can never be forgiven for whatever you've done, if you can never be forgiven, then what's the point? Yeah. So and where's that forgiveness? Where's the understanding? Where, like, a, a peer's taking cocaine off a prostitute's tits? You go, so what? I mean, fucking, they all do. Why, why Richard Bacon taking cocaine? Oh, let's pick on him. Yeah. Out of all the fucking people in show business taking cocaine. Yeah. So why is one person being chastised for something that everyone's done? I, so it's just... You know that that annoys me, mm. and yeah, but that's the, that's the business. So Michael Barrymore, who I worked with years ago, you know his career is you know he was up there and then taken down, and you know a terrible thing happened in his house. We don't know anything uh, about what his actual connection with it was. So that's insane to me. But that is that is. But that's not really the business. That's hum, that's human beings. But wanting the people, to, the people that are most likely for that to happen are the people really in the limelight. So it's yeah. arguably better to be on the periphery, like you and I, Richard. <laughs> not the Stuart Lees of the world, <laughs> but the slightly not as good as Stuart well, Lees then, of the world. But then it's, you know, but then you also have the terror of, you know, I know a lot of people in that position who are terrified of something happening coming out, even if it's real or it's not real. You know, that's the... So then if you're living your life terrified about that, then you can't enjoy it, the success. Anyway, I think that's what I want to talk about a bit in my new show is that, that I would have liked to have been, you know, when I started, I'd liked to have been like a, the most famous comedian in the world. But actually you look at the most famous comedians and when you socialise with them, it's, there's this kind of they're emptiness. They're awful, aren't they? Well, they're oh often very God. nice, but there's a terror in their eyes. No, hey, all of them. I hate what the got. lot of them. They could lose what they've got. They could, and you know, they, it could all go, or someone else can come up and destroy it. And I'd rather be in a position where I, you know, I like comedy and I like comedians, and I'd rather be in a position where you know I can help people if I can, or just enjoy people, or say good luck with everything. You know, I'd like to see people do well. I have people who I'd like to see do well. I'd like to see you do well. But there's so I think it's much harder I think for you. Based much, on this podcast, it's all on up for me. It is. <laughs> I think, I think you know. There's there's a lot. There's a. It's so difficult. That's why. I, that's why I really admire the people in your generation who are doing well because it's so difficult to even make a step through. There's so many people doing it. There's so little way in. Uh, there's no way of doing. You know. There there is no way of doing your own show. So Limmy did it. Stuart Lee's done it. They've got their own shows, but those are kind of accidents rather than norms. And so you've got to. Is it? You've just got to go on mock the week and mm. would I lie to you and and do as well as you can and hope people come and see you. As well. Richard, yeah. Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? Yes. <laughs> of course. And I got the ending. Did you? Yeah. Honestly. When, yeah. When I was like fourteen. Yeah. Can't do it now. I've got a bad back. 
But my cock is still huge, so it's fine. Do you have a massive adult cock at 14? <laughs> so is that a sort of weird self-paedophilia? <laughs> I think it's all right if you are the same age as the, the person you're having relations with, isn't it? Not if it's a man-adult cock <laughs> on your oh, child see, body. Me, yeah. <laughs> I've just, you know, I don't know. I don't know whether... Does your penis grow a lot bigger between 14 and now? I wish it I would mean, grow at that. any point in my life, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what else would you like from me? <laughs> I don't know. You're being, you know. you're being an unusual guest. You're being like Louis Theroux. Being like a low-rent Louis Theroux. <laughs> That is easy to cope with. <laughs> I can ask you some more questions. You do a 15-second interview. Yes, it's a silly joke. It is. Um, it's, the idea is that it builds up an audience on YouTube, trying to get an audience on other media. Um, the premise of it is that I interview somebody for 15 seconds, celebrities or just people in life, but my question lasts about 14 seconds, <laughs> so they have no chance of answering it. I like it. I've watched them. Um, do you remember uh, the guy who did the five-minute interviews on, on the BBC website? Oh, uh, yes. I meant to ask loads of people about this because they have been into I got quite obsessed with him. He's called Matthew Stadlin, I think. Do you yes. Remember? you seen this guy do the thing? He had a big clock and he was on the BBC website and he would interview a different celebrity every week. I loved those. Yeah, and he's quite bad, I thought. I thought he was quite bad at doing... Yeah, because no, he was awkward as an yeah. interviewer. Uh, and it was a sort of stupid premise. Uh, and Robert Webb was interviewing him. I think I meant to ask him about it and see if he remembered it. Um, but I've discovered, uh, because of your fear, I've looked him up. Uh, Matthew Stadlin, who no one knows, his dad holds the uh, world record for the longest speech in English le legal history. What, how long do you think it is, the speech that his dad the longish, did? The longish, longest, longest speech. speech. His, his dad was like a Lord Judge or whatever, uh, and maybe still is. Uh, what do you think the longest... They go on long, don't they? Yeah. How, how long would you go for? Is it over days? I'm not giving you any clues. Three days. Anyone, anyone want to hazard a guess in the audience? 94 is close. It's 119 days. Wow. So yeah. I'd like to get him on just to talk about that. Yeah. But, you know, it's, getting, it's a problem when I've got one page on you and half of it is about... Matthew Stadlin's dad. <laughs> no one knows who Matthew Stadlin is. It's really... I, I got quite obsessed with Matthew Stadlin because he was... He did, five, did, he did hundreds of these five-minute interviews. It was just this sort of slightly, well, yeah, awkward... They, yeah, he, they were slightly awkward, but they, I didn't know there was something... He did one with Stephen Fry, didn't he? Yeah. And there was something brilliant about them but I think it was that sort of the fact that because they were five seconds he just he, he sort of slipped in inappropriate questions and they didn't have time to get offended about them <laughs> somehow you manage it over an hour and a half I do I mean it's, it's all good <sighs> it's been a nice series hasn't it it's been alright who's been your favourite on this series oh it's been difficult this, is, this has been the best series Really? Until now. Uh, no, it's... I'm only... I'm, you know, I'm, well, I'm, hang on, you I'm had very Stephen Fry the on the other series and Russell yeah, Brown. They were all really fun. I enjoyed, the, the Stephen Fry was a kind of perfect podcast and it was very... It was, he orchestrated it so it was just like a... You know, it was like a perfectly paced 90 minutes or whatever it was because mm. it was funny and then it was serious and then it was funny again and he, he did most of that, I have to say. Um, I'd, I, be, I'd say he did all of it. Yeah. Uh, him and Chris Evans' son, who asked the pertinent question. Uh, I, I really liked. Uh, I think Bob Mortar was great. Very Bob Monkhouse was great. Bob Monkhouse, <laughs> and I really liked Louis Theroux. Louis Theroux was yeah my favourite of this series. So those are the two that people so far they've gone out. Um, and uh, who else has been on? You know I can't. But I, 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 I can't thought the Louis Sanders nice. one after Bob Mortimer was very good because yeah. she was in my position, which she is, is going a, on after somebody position. that people wanted to see. Yeah. And um, had a, arguably a full breakdown, didn't she? <laughs> um, I love, so I used to live with Lou when I yeah. came to London, and I just think she's the best. I think yeah, she's she so funny and so brilliant, and I thought you got a lot out of her. So oh, that's good. one of my favourites. It was very difficult for her, so I think she did, she did very well because it was, it was like a very weird situation. Mm. Uh, Bridget Christie, which you won't have seen yet, is great. Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney were great. There's some really good... Jessica Hines... Like, they're all good. Where do I rank on that list? Well, there's 18 in this series. Mm. You're definitely in the top... 17. <laughs> 17. 
I don't know. They've, uh, they've, it's been. It's. I think it's. I like it because I think doing two uh, in a night, they, they they're often very different in tone. Yeah, this has been. Uh, this is a very different in tone one to most of them. Yeah. In that it's just you've been asking me questions. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to know. That's the thing. It's. Yeah. I don't. I've sort of forgotten this is going out because well, I is just a bit feel like, like you know one one of the listeners has won a competition to yeah. come in and ask. <laughs> That's exactly it. What is it like doing a podcast? Yeah. When I grow up, do you think I could do a podcast too? <laughs> do you I think? think? I think you could. Oh, brilliant. You'd be good. You've asked some good questions. Um, I'm pleased to announce today as well that I'm doing the Joe Lysett Leicester Square Theatre <laughs> podcast, or as some of the cool kids yeah. are calling it, Jalajaja. George, George, my sound guy, wants to. He's, you know, he's not very. He isn't really. I mean, we talked about him quite a lot in the backstage bits that the the subscribers will get. But he's not. Every time he tries to set anything up, it goes wrong. He does. He's not really good at doing sound, but that is his job. But I think he's taken that job as a way to work his way up via the bar. We thought he'd probably go work behind the bar for a bit for the next series. Maybe clean the toilets the next series. Yeah. And then gradually works away. And I think he wants to be the interviewer eventually. Well, I'm sure he can achieve it. So, you know, that's, I'll pass it on to him in my will. I'll write, you know, when I die. But I think, you know, I think we can carry on for a bit. Don't you? I think not, not you and I, this podcast. No, I think this is really, yeah. We're nearly at the end. But I think, you know, I think that's what... Because it doesn't, you know, I haven't even said, put a Shrek in it this whole series. I haven't even said those phrases. Oh, you've done it now, though. Oh, I ruined it. I thought I'd got through the whole series. Uh, and that's improved the series because that is all you need. But, you know, I get, I get bored. Some people are like that. You get people going, oh, he's saying, doing that thing again. But I get bored of most things more quickly than other people. But then I also kind of find the find it funny to reincorporate them years later on yes <laughs> Again, well so. that's kind of what the 15 second interview is yeah. and also my other series which I have which is um, always a pleasure which mm. is a series of photos which I think we've done we should do on, which is just a silly series I've been doing for about three years which is where I take a photo of me with somebody and I say always a pleasure to see Richard Herring but we look very unhappy to see one another yes. and it's a blog now and it's gone it's, yeah it's been going on for three years and people started to really hate it and tweet me saying enough of this <laughs> and then it went out the other side yeah. again and it go it does like a loop every sort of couple of months yeah. and then you'll get somebody really good and then people really love it again yeah. well I like that because I like annoying people and I really I particularly like annoying kind of people who think that everything is aimed just at them yeah so when people go oh I'm bored of this now you should change doing this you're going to go I'm definitely going to carry yeah. on doing it for a yeah, lot yeah. longer because you know it's not just for you dig your heels I'll stop in. doing it when I'm bored of it or you know it's like me playing myself at snooker that's never going to end I've not watched those, but they no, sound shit. They are amazing. <laughs> they sound terrible, but they're, it's an amazing... So what's the premise? You play, I play snooker against snooker yourself. I play myself commentate on them, and then we see who's the best <laughs> at playing snooker out of me one and me two, sometimes me three. You'd like him. He's, uh, get, he's, the, he's a gay character, me three. You'll enjoy. <laughs> That's my bisexual side coming out. He's also a serial killer, which is bad. So I can't help that. It's like that's you know that sort of, that he isn't representative of the gay community, <laughs> though a lot of serial killers are gay. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure. I've not looked at the stats, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure. Jeffrey Dahmer, the Milwaukee cannibal, has come to, when you can't say Milwaukee, it's time to end. How many episodes of the snooker thing? Sixty. Have you done? Six. And how long are each? Like they're about twenty minutes to half an hour. It doesn't take long. I haven't done one for a bit. I've only done. Uh, Seven this year so far. That, that's what alcoholics say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I haven't had a drink for a couple of days. <laughs> I'm itching. I get to the point where I'm itching to do them again. My wife's away, actually, uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday this week, so I might do four or five. <laughs> I can't really justify it because I haven't got time to write my show that will earn us money. It's a bit like the magic. I'm convinced that the snooker will be what earns us a fortune. And I have to do it to prove my wife wrong because my wife hates it. Doesn't think it's funny, thinks it's embarrassing. Hates it. She's in, she appears in one of them. She's by a wise. And she, you can hear in her voice. She goes, are you playing sick? And it's not a joke. We hasn't sat up. She came back early and I was like, oh, God. And, I was, and then I had to really rush through because I knew she'd be furious upstairs with what I'd done. Uh, 
So I would like to go... I think I might try and do a year where I don't earn any other money other than playing myself for snooker. Does that go... It goes on YouTube? No, it's just... Uh, it's on, it's on all, on audio only, so it's... Um... <laughs> you can't... It's no good if you can see it, is it? What's the, the best wrong with you? It's the best thing... It's the best thing I've ever done. You'll you... see, you'll see. I won't see it, I'll hear it. <laughs> but you'll see the reaction when it takes off. And I can get that in the same way that I get this, so yeah. I can listen to that in the car. Yeah, you can too. I will probably die yeah. listening to that careering oh, into someone, the central reservation. Will. Well, you know, a lot of people treat me and go, oh, I laugh so much at something that I nearly crashed. Mm. But it must have happened at some point, mustn't it? That At least I'm not necessarily on this podcast, but someone... Been laughing. No, I mean, on this, my general podcast, not that I wasn't having to go at that time. Uh, that someone must have died laughing. Someone, I mentioned their name in the credits or whatever, and they nearly crashed their car because they, you know, they'd forgotten they, or they weren't expecting to hear their own name. Mm. So they got, ah. but you know, that, that might, we might kill a, a few it's people. It's a weird thing, isn't it? I suppose when you do anything in the media, the idea that, particularly on radio, that someone could have a horrific car accident. Yeah, well, definitely. And just you talking about a cock for a, a man for a cock or something is yeah. the final things that they hear definitely or just the emergency services are trying to cut them out of the car yeah and when imagine if some emergency services are cutting someone out of a car now yeah. and they hear us and then they hear us talking yeah, yeah. about them cutting them out hello well you're doing a great job fireman yeah well done so it's a shame about I don't think this accident was directly our fault I think it was just a coincidental thing it looks bad the... though <laughs> I don't think they're going to make it <laughs> Probably a man with a, as a, a cop, I think. <laughs> I've had a lot of fun doing this. Good. I do also feel like, as somebody who's listened to most of them, that this has been a more unusual one. It is That's unusual. probably because I started drinking when Limmy went on yeah. and didn't stop. But your young body has uh, processed yes. the alcohol. I'm free to drive now <laughs> and listen, listen back to it as I die. That would be weird. That would be that, weird. Wouldn't that be weird? Yeah, I mean, it'd be sad. I'd be sad. My own voice telling me, doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the irony, it's the twilight zone at the end. Oh, oh my God. It's going to happen, isn't it? We'd have to whip this round in quick time to get out in time. For what, you, you want me to die quicker? Well, no, we'd have to get the podcast out now so you could listen to it on the way. I'll give a, we'll get Dave to give you a copy of it. Smashing, thank and you. And then you can <laughs> plug that into your... <laughs> Car. Don't drink and drive. That would be terrible. Uh, so we, we look. We better. We said. We, oh God! It's quarter to eleven. So um, we better go. Thank you um, for your patience, audience. Uh, it's been very interesting to talk to you, Joe Lysett, about your Thank long you career and my, my short career. Uh, and uh, yeah, been, thanks for having me on. No, it's been good. I'm a, I'm a big fan, and uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing the new show. So is it touring in the? Touring in the, in the autumn, 2016, yes. 2015, 2016? Just 2016. 2015. Okay. And then I'm going to go to the French Riviera. Are you? Just for a bit. Yeah, you should. Make sure you find some time for yourself, Joe. That's what, if I, when I look back, make sure you enjoy your success. I will do. And make sure you find some time for yourself. Comedy is not the most important thing in the world. Have a tiny child. Can I have a Werther's original? <laughs> you can. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe Lysitz. That's the way I like Joe Lysitz. Thank you very much. Thanks so much bye for bye. coming and uh, for all your support these difficult times. Goodbye. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Let's Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Joe Lysitz. It is a good programme, isn't it? The music was my best. The producer is Dave Cribb. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre for having us for another series. We'll be doing more next year. Sorry, in the autumn of this year. Uh, they're probably about to start next week. They'll probably already start by the time you've heard this. Uh, go to restersquaretheatre.com to buy tickets to come and see us or on a Sunday afternoon in the September, October, November of 2015. It is a Go Faster Stripe. Well, thanks to everyone at Go Faster Stripe as well. It's a GoFasterStripe.com production and a Fuzz production and most importantly, a Sky Potato production.
If you enjoyed that show uh, and would like to help us make more, check out Kickstarter, see if we're doing a campaign at the moment, or go to gofaststrike.com slash badges. If you do a monthly donation for a badge, you get loads of extras like a secret channel with backstage interviews and loads more stuff. It's really worth a pound a month. Uh, I can tell you that, and all that money will go to making future internet content. I would like to thank all of the follow people for donating to make this series, Series 7, possible on video. They are... Matthew Smith, Ewan Duncan, Rob Applin, Darren Foote, Colin Anderson, Raymond Harpany, Kevin Tipcorn, Steve Mash, Dean Ratland, Gaynor Wilson, Adam Queck, Stuart Fawcett, Tim Turner, Julian Benton, Thomas Baldwin, Lauren Pilkington, Matthew Blackburn, Neil Martin, Jack Burton, Fraser Levy, Gina Lynn, Paul Jeffrey, Rob Ward, Robert Tang Richardson, Leo Vagoda, Carol Forster, Iki Kawa, Colm McGonagall, Aurora Watters, Jake, Heather Henderson, Simon Carl, Christine Sato, David Collier, Jijin John, Roy Owens, Matthew Poynton, and Max Dickton, Dickton, Dighton, uh, Graham Foster, Jose Vizcaino, that is the exact pronunciation of his name, Thomas Clark, Dennis Minihan, <laughs> uh, Edward Fowler, <laughs> That's really made uh, Dave Cribb laugh. Dennis Minihan. <laughs> Ross. <laughs> Matthew Hardiker. Oh, come on. These are just made up for the end. Nick Williams. Nick Gage. But don't forget Dennis Minihan. He was the main one. Thank you very much for listening to this series. Hope you enjoy the rest of the things that are happening. Goodbye. Yes, that's what I meant to say. Goodbye.